0: Welcome to Leadership, the journey with no summit, with best-selling author and retired US Army Major General, Robert W. Mixon Jr. Best known for his ability to inspire audiences, motivate teams, build leaders, and create cultures of excellence, Robert shares effective values-based leadership strategies and tools your team can put into practice immediately that will fuel your company's lasting success. Now. Here is your host, Robert Mixon. So today's uh, Level 5 journey with No Summit podcast series uh, continues with Mr. Dana Maynard, the president of communication systems for L3Harris Technologies. And uh, Dana, it's great to have you here today and and share your thoughts on leadership uh, with our audience of leaders and, and leaders who aspire to be better leaders every day. So I'll start with first question is, of the big six principles, and I've, those are, you know, set the azimuth, the mission, the intent, the values, and culture of your organization, listen, trust and empower, do the right thing when no one's looking, when in charge, take charge, and balance the personal and professional. Which would you say has been the most important aspect of the, the principle that stands out in your mind that you've observed and tried to practice throughout your leadership journey?
1: Well, General, thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be on your program. You know, it really is an honor to be able to speak with you and you know have the chance to just talk a little bit about some of the things that we've done on this journey with uh, L3 Harris. And you know, I've been part of the company for 36 years now. You outlined six great leadership principles. They're all very important. If I had to pick one though, I, I'd have to say it, it, it's setting the azimuth. You know, really the fundamental job of any leader is to set the strategic direction for their team and organization, and then ensure that you develop a sound strategic plan and then execute it. You know That's what I really see as setting the azimuth, where you're going to go, and then how do you get there. In our business, we've always been very, very fortunate in that our azimuth or strategic direction can easily be set around the mission and needs of our customers. We support the military and first responders throughout the world, and you know, the. Products and systems we provide for secure communications and night vision are used in very, very demanding mission requirements. You know, lives literally depend on them while you're out on the battlefield or, you know, on the city streets. And so, that's been very useful in aligning our mission around very, very important customer needs. Uh, we do a lot of exciting things at L3Harris, and especially the communication systems business. But I think we're best known as the world leader in secure radio communications and night vision. Um, getting to that point, you know, we had to set you know, the azimuth or set the direction that we wanted to be the leader. And in doing so, we've always been focused around the customer and specifically the end user of our products and systems. And you know, we strive to be able to put those capabilities in their hands. You know, along the way we had a couple of good, you know, I would say mission statements and vision statements that got us there. You know, when we were primarily in the tactical radio business uh, for the defense forces, you know, we had an expression that was called no warfighter stands alone, always connected, always aware. And that really, I think set a good azimuth for us to make sure that what we provided always enabled the warfighter to be connected. So they were never out there alone and they were always aware. As we expanded in the public safety market, though, the term warfighter didn't really fit all of our customers, and so we got together, thought about what we really wanted to be, um, and we came up with a new vision mission statement, and that's the one we've used for a number of years now, and that is to be the preferred global provider of trusted communication solutions for those who defend, protect, and serve. And it gets at you know, having the solutions that they can trust, whether it's so, you know, the warfighter folks in the defense side of things, or in service and public safety. And you know, that word preferred uh, you know, doesn't mean we're always going to be the largest, doesn't, certainly doesn't mean we're going to be the cheapest, but we're the preferred solution for people who need communication solutions that they can trust. So it's helped set a good azimuth for everybody in that direction of wanting to be the preferred company, to, to be the best at what we were so that our customers would prefer us, and I think a good azimuth for us to rally behind as a company. So I would come back and say those are six fantastic principles. We'll probably talk about some of them later on when we talk about culture and other things. But I would say the most important for a leader is to set the strategic azimuth.
0: OK, thanks very much, Dana. Um, On the the flip side here, what what was your biggest mistake as a leader when you should have applied this principle uh, and, and didn't, or observed someone else where you had the opportunity to apply it and didn't, and what did you learn from that?
1: Well, that that's a tough one. We only have an hour, and over 36 years, I, I've made an awful lot of mistakes. And, and I've been very fortunate that, uh, for the most part, I think I've been able to learn from them. And I've worked with and for some very tolerant people who have given me the opportunity to make mistakes and then learn from those mistakes and hopefully correct them. The biggest mistakes I've made, and, and I've made, a, made them a couple of times, is you know really not following through on the plan to get you to that azimuth point or get you to that strategic endpoint, um, you know, we've gone down business transactions or put together a plan, and then for whatever reason you, you lack the resources or there's a change in plan or, or perhaps you know, lack the organizational will, you don't fully implement that plan. You maybe do it halfway, and you know often that is done by not fully understanding your customer and what their true needs are, and you know. Those big mistakes have been when we've done it, and I have done it you know, halfway, not doing you know, the full execution of the plan or following through on the original plan to get to the strategic objective. I mean, one that comes to mind was an acquisition we made uh, a number of years ago in the air traffic communication space. And and we got enamored of technology with a company that had a very innovative design. Uh, we added that design and we created a product that I think in many ways was years ahead of the time. We also had a plan to go out and do several other acquisitions and developments of complementary technologies that would have addressed the current state of the mission. Uh, as is often the case, you, you get into things and nothing ever goes quite according to plan. You know, we, we fell upon some challenging financial times, and we didn't follow through on those follow-on developments or those other acquisitions, and so as a result, we weren't able to address the near-term requirements. It took a lot longer for the market to evolve, and the innovative technology we had uh, was probably ahead of its time and not as relevant to the customers we originally thought it would be. I think had we followed through on those plans, we'd have been much more successful, and I think in other cases where I've looked where I've made major mistakes, it's been partially implementing a plan, not really going forward with everything you need to do to achieve that strategic goal and make the plan executable.
0: Okay. Well, that certainly makes sense to me, Dana. I've I've been guilty of the same mistakes, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Uh, In talking about you know, the, the, the development of leaders in an organization. Uh, how do you identify and develop a potential in your leaders or potential leaders so that they can grow to their capabilities? I think most of us are very good at assessing performance. But potential is, is a, tougher, a tougher problem to solve and I'd be very interested in your views here on how you identify and nurture that potential.
1: It, it's a great question in general, and you know, I, I think there's certain characteristics that we look to identify, you know, in people that we think are going to be successful, whether they're individual contributors or, or leaders. And you know, fundamentally, it sort of starts with, you know, a positive attitude, a can-do attitude. And then a strong work ethic. Bill Stoltz was one of the founders of RF Communications, which is the origin of the communication systems business here at L3 Harris today. And he had an expression that, that I always like to quote: "It's sort of attitude is everything, and hard work is everything else." And you know, it sounds a little Yogi Berra-ish, but I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, if somebody's got a can-do attitude, feels they can get things done, and then they're do- willing to do the work necessary to make that happen, it's hard to stop those kind of people, again, whether they're going to be in a leadership position or a strong individual contributor. Beyond that, in leaders, we really look for people that have first strong competence in their particular field. You know, If you're coming out of engineering, you should be a good engineer. If you're a finance person, you should be a good finance person. And then have the ability to engage with and influence other people, particularly across different groups and then, of course, have the drive and tenacity to get things done. And, you know, there are a lot of different ways that that we develop those talents and we identify those talents. There are a lot of really good formal training programs and, and development programs to recognize, um, you know, those capabilities in people. One of my favorite ways, though, is to present people with problems and see how they handle them. Give them opportunities to present their ideas or work. And then most importantly, at the right time, get them in front of customers and see how they react, see how the customers engage with them and how they handle those situations. And preferably it's in a situation where they're out in the field in a real world environment. And they can you know see how the customer is using our capabilities, how they you know confront certain problems, and then putting them in more complex situations like that over time. You know, the development comes with, you know, over time, progressively more complex or challenging assignments or programs and a variety of different assignments, particularly if you're developing people for more general management positions and, you know, looking for the people who take charge and provide value to the customers and the organization. And in particular, those that can work well in teams and across teams can set a vision and then motivate people. Um, from very different backgrounds and different skill sets and functions to get together with a common goal of meeting a customer requirement. So those are a few of the things. We've got some great specific programs. We have rotational programs and you know cross-functional development programs. But those are a few of the ways that I would say we look to identify uh, potential leaders and develop them over time.
0: That's great insight, Dana. And uh, appreciate appreciate uh, You know, the, in an organization, I think you all are. Somewhere on the scale of 48,000 people at this stage of the game. I'm sure it's complex to find the, the, the diamonds in the rough and, and nurture them. So I think you've given us some great some great benchmarks uh, to look for in uh, the people in, in in our organizations as well who we have those qualities of that attitude and the work ethic that you uh, In your view, then, what are the characteristics of a world class culture? You know, I've sort of been focused very heavily on uh, culture in the, in this stage of my life but you know as as culture as an ecosystem that you know you have in the communication systems of L3 Harris technologies what what do you think are are the hallmarks of a world class culture
1: you know in my view a world class culture aligns the mission of a business or an organization with its customers mission It's got a strong set of core values and then creates an environment and a set of business processes and reward system that enables and encourages its people to work together to complete that mission. You know, at L3Harris, we've got a culture that's built on a foundation of very strong core values. There there are three of them. Integrity, respect, and excellence. And if I look at integrity, you know, it's kind of self-explanatory. It's very high ethical standards that you never compromise. It's honesty. It's also accountability, accountability to the customer, accountability to your internal and external customers and for your own performance. You know, respect is about, you know, having a safe workplace so that everybody knows that we're thinking about their safety and that they're going to come home uh, at night, you know, safe and without injury. It's a commitment to the community. Then it's about inclusion, you know, and that's very, very important as we see today. You know, we all have got a lot of work I think uh, across the country to do better on inclusion. And it's a value that we're committed to as respecting all of the employees of L3Harris. And then excellence is, is about you know, flawless execution. That's what you strive for. You can't always do things flawlessly. You know we're, we're human and there's always going to be you know, mistakes. But then it's about continuous improvement. How do you address the root cause of those mistakes? How do you get better every day in everything that you do? And part of that is innovation. As a technology company, innovation's core at what we do. And then building upon, you know, those values, a very strong foundation. I, I think world-class culture is one that enables people to do their very best and do what they need to do to meet the customer's mission requirements. In our case, agility is a big part of it. You know, we talked about innovation. You know, we're all about creating solutions and capabilities that you know, our customers can rely on in the most demanding of circumstances, where their lives are literally on the line. And they need to have a better solution than the adversary they might find out on the battlefield. So innovation is key to that, as is agility and being able to get a usable solution in a customer's hands when they need it. You know, oftentimes, you know, one that they haven't fully conceived a requirement for, but being innovative, understanding their needs, and putting it in their hands in a way they could use it. So those are a few of the elements of what I think a world class culture is.
0: Uh, that's terrific, David. How, how then do you measure the health and culture? What are some of the indicators to you as a senior executive, senior leader in a large organization, that your culture is healthy?
1: Well, being a customer-centric culture, you know, I have the great fortune of often talking to our customers almost every day. And so so you get real-world feedback, you know, is what you're doing, you know, usable to the, to the customers, like it, Do the soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and first responders out there, you know, get value out of what you're doing. Is it meeting their mission requirement? Uh, then you know there's obvious business performance and you know any strong business culture you know measures the business and all of the typical financial metrics uh, you got to stay in touch with the people you know talking to your folks whether it's you know out on the factory floor or you know salespeople in the field we do a lot of different surveys to, to measure the pulse of our customers we track retention data we track attrition data um, you know, it's a combination of those things. So, you know, are you doing well with your teams and employees? Or are they engaged? Uh, are your customers valuing what you're doing? You know, we do customer surveys, but there's, there's no substitute, in my opinion, for getting out there in the field and seeing, you know, how the person who's actually using you know, the product that you might have thought as an engineer was a wonderful product and did so many great things, and find out they use a tenth of them, but there's something they want that you're not providing. So it's a series of those things that I think provide touch points, and, you know, really being able to synthesize all those different touch points to gauge the health of your organization and or whether you're making progress.
0: Okay. That certainly makes sense. good sense to me, though that's a very viable set of benchmarks that that you're looking at and listening to right talked about the second principle you know listening to the organizational pulse uh, who, who would you say is your hero or heroine as a leader and why
1: well, um, I've got a lot of heroes. Uh, I'm, I'm fortunate to have been surrounded by a number of wonderful people and, and getting to work with them every day. So, so I've got a bunch of different heroes on, on a bunch of different levels. On, on a personal level, I, I would say my mom. She she raised five of us by herself, put four of us through college. Was one of the you know smartest and hardest working people I ever knew. So, on a personal level, there, there, there's nobody quite quite like mom. On a macro level, some of the great world leaders—I think about people like Lincoln and Mandela—who who overcame tremendous adversity and led their nations um, to to you know a peaceful outcome in really extraordinary times. You know, on a professional level, though, you know our customers are my heroes. We're very fortunate that we get to work with so many great people across the world—the young men and women who are out there um, in the armed forces and as first responders really, really heroes. And then I've had the great fortune over time to be able to interface with a lot of our leaders in the US military as well as our allies and then get to work with many of them as they come into the business. One of the great things about our culture is we attract and and, and greatly value people coming in from the military, whether they're senior general officers that I get to work with in our business development organization or a lot of the young folks coming right out of the service that will be working in field service or in product development. We've got you know almost 500 people stationed worldwide that are field service representatives, and they're out there every day, often in harm's way, working directly with our customers, stationed at their bases, keeping their systems running, enabling them to meet their mission requirements. So I've got a pretty wide range of heroes and have been fortunate to be able to work with so many wonderful people that I really do consider heroic over my career.
0: Well, that's quite a list, Dana, quite a list. And I really like the fact that some of your heroes are the are the ones who are, you know, the boots on the ground at the, you know, the point of the spear. Uh, and I think that's great great insight for all of us here to remember that, it, that you know, you don't have to be uh, in a position of great responsibility and authority uh, to be a hero. So what, what advice now would you give an aspiring leader to learn how to grow their skills in a positive, empowering, inclusive way?
1: Um, a number of different things, you, you know, and, and some of them sound kind of trite, you know, first is is be be the best you can be at what you're doing. Whatever role you're in, people are going to notice you based on how well you do that. And I think getting to the next role is really based on how well you do in the current role. So So if you're an engineer, again, be the best engineer. If you're a salesperson, be the best salesperson. Be good at what you do. And then, you know, be inquisitive. Learn from the experiences of others. You know, one one of the challenging things, particularly early in my career, you know, I thought I had all the answers. I was a smart person coming up, boy, I knew it all. And I I wish, in retrospect, I would have taken more time to learn from some of the people who were trying to help me. And a lot of times you look and you think people are trying to tell you what to do. As often as not, they're offering you friendly advice based on some of the hard-fought lessons that they've learned. So, so listening to people, being inquisitive, reaching out to do new things, challenge yourself, and you know, if you're given an opportunity to go to do something different, go for it. You know, getting out and getting a breadth of experience, uh, particularly early in your career, so you can learn what it's like. For other functions, learn how to get a variety of things done. Build that network, make those connections. Uh, you absolutely have to have integrity and commitment and accountability in what you do. You know, people will always remember if you don't meet a commitment. And you know, you have to have that core foundation of trust. And then, you know, probably one of the biggest is just tenacity. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. You know, it, I can. Look in many, many instances in our business where you know we lost procurements, we were counted out, we didn't win the first time. And either through stubbornness or tenacity, we we just didn't give up. We kept fighting, and that got us to be the position we're in today, as number one in our core markets and tactical radio communications and night vision.
0: Well, that sounds that sounds really positive too, because I think that part of the, what I hear you say and. A little back for your data is it? You know, you're you're looking for for leaders, and you you want to help grow leaders, and you encourage leaders to get out there and get get after it, to be tenacious, to be aggressive, and yet still be willing to learn and uh, willing to take some risks to make a mistake. Um, I think we call that failing forward. Uh, how do you how do you typically see your leaders uh, handling or dealing with mistakes?
1: Well, you might get different views depending on on, on how uh, who you talk to. I, I I think we handle them pretty well, be because you know as I mentioned, you know we, we we failed a number of times. You know we 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 I think pride ourselves of, even though we're the world leader now, we we always sort of have a bit of an underdog mentality, and you know highly agile and. You know, you got to try things. I think we're pretty tolerant of of, of mistakes. You know, not repeated mistakes. You look for people to learn from what they've done. They're frivolous mistakes, but you value people taking chances. You, you can't be innovative without taking chances. You know, uh, failing early and 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 with, without a lot of cost is a good thing because you try ideas. Um, so I think we're we're pretty uh, tolerant of those kind of things you know, we're not tolerant of letting customers down. You, you can't make mistakes when it comes to, you know, your integrity in dealing with your customers or the stakeholders, but clearly, going out and trying new things, new technologies, new markets, uh, new areas. Uh, I, I think uh, you've got to be tolerant and willing to take some mistakes and understand you're going to fail uh, in a lot of instances before you succeed. Okay,
0: thanks, Dan. What, what <clears throat> in the last three months, that- have changed our world. Uh, what's a, one big idea you think uh, st- sticks in your mind that uh, you're taking forward in your leadership journey uh, ahead?
1: You know, one of the things I've learned for the last three months is just how tremendously resilient and, and committed our people are. Um, if you would have told me three months ago that we're going to have half of the people out of the workplace. For three months, and and we'd keep the wheels on the business and not miss any customer commitments. I would have thought it was completely crazy. Um, you know, I've been tremendously impressed by our people who who do still need to come to work. You know, and the production floor, a number of instances, and then I mentioned those 500 people that are out there every day with the customer um they're willing to do what's needed to do to meet those mission requirements of the customer, and to you know help the company keep its commitment so you know the resilience of an organization uh, is really the big idea and listening to people listening to what's working what's not working and adapting quickly we worked really hard to, to put protection measures in place very quickly uh work pretty hard to enable work from home you know, adapt to the right things. We, we've been very fortunate, I think, in this state and, and in this county, in this area, that our governmental leaders have been great and have been consistent, provided sound advice and support. We've worked with them, but, you know, the big idea I take away from the last three months is just, uh, you know, staying close to your customers, staying close to your people and the resiliency. And, you know, and I can't thank our customers enough either because they have been very good at working with us, you know, where we've had some issues uh, You know, we provide the next generation state-of-the-art night vision goggle system that is urgently needed in the field by the customers. Uh, When COVID came along, the inspectors from DCMA were no longer allowed to travel, so they couldn't come into the factory. Well, our team uh, used a series of cameras and computer programs and things, and they enabled them to up with a fixture, they could actually look through the night vision goggles and do the tests and measurements they needed remotely over the computer without going to the facility. So, you know, that innovation and that resilience of people to come up with ideas and find solutions to problems. And, again, being willing to listen to your people and act on their ideas and solutions quickly.
0: Okay. That's terrific. Uh, you know, that idea of resiliency, I think, is a key key takeaway, Daniel. Uh, is there any other topic you'd like to share with the audience here about your leadership journey and uh, advice you would impart to them?
1: No, I, I, probably not a lot on my leadership journey. You know, if if anything, it would just just be the statement around. You know, we ha- we have a fantastic business here. You know, the origins of our business, as I mentioned, started in you know 1960 in Rochester. You know, with the the four local entrepreneurs that created RF Communications. And we've been blessed, you know, at that local level over a period of time of great leaders who have passed strong values down to us. You know, we're standing on the shoulders of great people. You know, as part of that journey, you know, RF Communications was acquired by Harris and then we merged this past year with L3. And so today we've got a you know fantastic global company You know, 50,000 employees, $17 billion, but we've got these strong local roots that go right back to those four founders. And I think that gives us, you know, the moral and ethical compass, the, the global orientation, the agility and the entrepreneurship that we're applying to what's now a very large $5 billion communication systems business within L3 Harris it's an honor to be part of that we've got the great the best employees in the business completely committed to our customers we've got wonderful customers and it's just an honor to be part of that and look forward to uh, you know being a member of the community and l3 Harris and the communication systems business continuing to be successful and part of the uh, the, the business area here in Rochester for many years to come
0: well Dana, it's been uh, wonderful to talk with you today and uh share some of your insights with our leadership audios. I want to encourage all, all the folks out there uh, in the Level 5 uh, podcast family to uh, continue to stay with us as we go forward in our journey with the Summit. Uh, we've had the privilege of conducting a number of interviews uh, such as this one, Dana, with distinguished leaders who have been there and done that, and I think we're all on a journey of learning as leaders. So, Dana, thanks again for joining us today. And for being part of this conversation and contributing to the growth of others.
1: Thank you for the opportunity, General, and thank you for your service to our country. Thank you for listening to Leadership, The Journey with No Summit. Be sure to give our
0: podcast a great review wherever you listen to your favorite shows.